I've been praying for the non-believers. All my neighbors thinking I will leave her. Awful eager to fall for all deceivers. They don't care what the creator prefers. They don't believe in walking up to Peter. They don't believe in God, Jesus either. Go from breeders and the instant reapers. Listen to the tweeters, the twisted leaders, misdemeanors. Then you go for felonies. Longer I've been, the more it looks like hell to me. Nobody helping me. They live so selfishly. They don't look well to me. You speak but seldomly. Telling me you're lost in time is low. Hello and welcome to Be Vigilant. I'm your host, Becky Dean. Today this show is brought to you by us here at Be Vigilant. We are so thankful that you're tuning in to hear us on ACN at 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, soon to be Monday through Thursday. And we're very privileged to be able to say what we want to say to all you that are willing to hear it. So I'm just going to start off by saying Matt doesn't know I'm recording this by myself uh, because, honestly, I've been a little, my direction has been kind of lost lately. I don't know what God is wanting me to do or which direction I'm supposed to go. So when I was reading my Bible this morning, he pointed something out to me and I couldn't ignore it. So here I am. Don't blame Matt if you guys are tired of hearing my voice. He has no idea that I'm recording this. Although he will later on when it's airing. <laughs> or he realizes he doesn't get to do a show because I already did it. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to share this uh, with you guys because I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in my journey to... Well, I guess it's not a journey. I'm just living my life. <laughs> But I was reading this morning. Oh, first, I do have a correction. The other day, last week, we did a show on the book of Esther. And Matt said that Esther was written before Solomon, so they didn't have the Proverbs to go by. Um, and that is not correct. And I didn't correct him because I didn't know either. I would just, you know, we were flowing and... He, he looked it up later and said, uh-oh, I made a mistake. So I am here to correct that. So actually, Solomon was before the book of Esther. So we're not afraid when, when we mess up to say that we messed up and apologize. So I do apologize for that. Moving on. Uh, I started to read Matthew the other day because it had been a while since I was reading in the New Testament, and I thought, you know, this book I've read many times, but we're not supposed to ever stop reading or learning from the Bible, so I decided to read, well, I think God told me, not audibly, <laughs> God put it on my heart to start with Matthew and read through the Gospels. So here we are. And today I was reading Matthew 4, and the verse that jumped out at me was Matthew 4:11. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And I don't, I'm sure I've read that a million times and just kind of said, oh, phew, he made it through. The angels ministered to him, whatever that means, moving on. I probably didn't even think that deeply about the angels ministered unto him. But to give you some context, I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And a little preface that um, Jesus had just been baptized at the uh, end of Matthew chapter 3. So this is right after Jesus was baptized. 
And the Bible says, Matthew 4, starting at verse 1, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the temper, tempter, not temper, tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not by li- live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only, and shalt thou, him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered unto him. (coughs) Excuse me. So first I want to go over the state that Jesus was in when this happened. Right after he was baptized, you know, God spoke down from heaven, this is my son who I am well pleased. And he went to the wilderness to be alone and fast for 40 days. And I never really thought about why he fasted, why he went to the wilderness to be alone for 40 days. And when I was reading some commentary on verse 11, I I don't remember. It might have been Matthew Henry. I'm not sure because I read quite a few commentaries because there's not a lot on just verse 11. But it said that it's good to go and be by yourself after you have not an encounter or an experience, but after, you know, you have a blessing from God to go and be by yourself. Actually, I highlighted, it says, after communion with God, it is good to be private a while, lest we lose what we have received in the crowd of hurry and of worldly business. So Jesus did this, I think, setting an example after something great and wonderful, we don't want to then just say, all right, that was cool and go back about our business because it's so easy to get swept up in the world. And and if you listen to the show yesterday, my son and I were talking about how new believers can, can get saved and then they're just like, all right, cool. See you later to God. <laughs> and that's, that's not really what he wants and it's something that I have never really thought about is when I have been blessed or something awesome has happened, you know, out of the ordinary that clearly is God is that I need to take some time and fast. And that is something that I have very much slacked. Fasting is not something that m- me as a person or as a Baptist, I guess, really like to even talk about because it's you know skipping that time where you feed yourself physically 
and using that time to pray and to meditate on God's word. And that's not something that, that comes very easily to me. But it's, I think it's important, and I think the reason that Jesus did that was, A, because it's important, and B, to set an example of how we should act as a Christian. So he fasted for 40 days, and that I have a hard time fasting through one meal. So if you can just imagine the state that Jesus was in after this, after the 40 days, he was, because he was human, fully God, but fully human at this time. He was hungry, tired, he was weak, and his faith was strong, though. That never wavered. I, I can imagine. I don't really think it needs to tell me that it never wavered because he's Jesus. But the cool thing is, is that while he was Jesus, he still had that faith. He still worshiped God. He even said when Satan asked him to bow down and worship him, Jesus's reply to him was, I don't have to, I'm God. His reply was, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve, meaning that he is still going to serve. So uh, that's how we should, ba I mean, we should always base our lives on Jesus. But in Jesus is in this weakened state, and of course, along comes Satan. Because he never preys on this, the strong parts of your life. He's going to get you while you're down. He's going to find your weakness, and he's going to attack. So he came to Jesus after he was starving, thirsty, tired, and he tempted him by saying, if you really are the son of God, turn this, turn these rocks into bread. Because, I mean, you're starving. Why wouldn't you do that? And then not only would you be, be not hungry anymore, but you would be proving that you're the son of God. So, you know, win-win. But really... Nobody wants to win like that when it comes to Satan because he's evil. And then he would have that power over Jesus and he can't have power over Jesus. So when that wasn't good enough, he took him to a higher place and said, if you really are the son of God, bow down and worship me and I will give you all this. And I mean, technically... It was already Jesus has, he doesn't really need Satan to give him the world. And I don't think Jesus really wanted the world anyways. He wants people. He wants your heart. He wants your soul. So that wasn't very, I mean, maybe for us as humans, it would have been very tempting. But for Jesus, no, I'm going to worship my father. And that's that. And that's how we should be too. The cool thing is, is after Jesus was able to resist these temptations, the devil left, just like James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Here's the perfect example of that. The devil left, and then angels came and ministered unto him. And this, again, is the verse that really stuck out to me. So I've heard the word ministry and ministered my entire life, but I've never really thought, what does that mean? What does ministering to somebody mean? And I was having a conversation with one of my clients, and she was telling me a story of how one of her friends was visiting a another friend, and they were in the middle of the night. She had had a heart attack, and the friend 
ministered to her until the ambulance got there. And I asked my client because her, she and I have, you know, some differential views on scripture. So I asked her, what do you mean when the lady ministered unto the other lady? And she said, well, she took care of her. She went, she prayed with her and she, you know, met the needs of the lady until the ambulance was able to get there. And, and I thought, you know, that's strange. I've heard this word my entire life, but I never really thought about what, what exactly does ministering mean? And it was, it was really cool to me to sit and think about verse 11, that God sent angels to Jesus and ministered unto him, meaning they took care of him. They fed him. They made, gave, you know, gave him food, water, got him healthy and strong again to go about his business. And this is Jesus. This is the son of God. This is the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And God sent angels to minister unto him. He could do this stuff himself. He didn't even have to go through this. But God sent angels to minister unto him to make sure he was healthy, to make sure he had what he needed. And I think that this is in the scriptures. This is just my opinion now. I'm not, I'm not trying to decipher <laughs> through my opinion, but I think that we can look at this and think if God is going to take care of Jesus, who, can, who is God, then why wouldn't he take care of me after I have these struggles and these temptations in my life? Because he will, and we can lean on that to get us through the tough times in our lives. And I'm sure if you think about it, there have been times in your life when you've had a struggle and, and you, you've stayed faithful, and after that, you have a blessing. And again, we go back to Romans 8.28, which is a verse that we go to a lot, and I think every Christian should because we're not promised an easy life. But Romans 8.28 reads, if I can find it here really quick, there we go, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So even when we struggle, we can know that at the end of this, God will make something good come out of it. And even when the struggle is our own fault, even when we sin and we are having to live through the consequences of our sins, God will use those to work together to make something good come out of it. And I don't know if everybody has the, you know, well, no, I do know not everybody has the same kind of struggles, but this makes me think about addiction. As you know, we have our recovery program on Friday nights. And so addiction is all around us all the time. And we're always dealing with it. And addiction is just a sin. That's all it is. And to overcome it, you have to accept Jesus as your savior ask him for forgiveness of those sins. And, you know, you have to put in the work too, but when you are able to overcome that addiction, God will bless you. But that doesn't mean you're not going to have trials. This reminds me of when, um, actually, 
when God, he knows everything that's going to happen. So when we are tempted, he knows that we are going to be tempted. And he kind of, he'll give us a little bit of preparation, I think, before that that temptation comes. Because it, it always comes out of, well, not always. A lot of times, temptation will come right after say like uh, when Jesus was baptized. And every time we have a baptism at our church, our pastor uses this as an example of whenever something good happens of God, Satan is going to hop right on that and try and tear it down. But before that happens, you have the good thing. So you're you're kind of not to <laughs> sound in, in well, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you're kind of on a high, but it's not a bad high. And then Satan will attack you. So when when somebody gets baptized, they're on they need to be on high alert and we need to be praying for them because Satan is going to pounce. And he's going to try and make it difficult and try and make you question and doubt and all of those things that that he the weaknesses that he preys on. So that reminds me of when we decided to join our church in 2018. I was on a high, I guess, for a long time. I, I could, somebody actually said to me, you always have a smile on your face. And I can honestly say never in my life have I ever been accused of always having a smile on my face. But I thought, wow, that's, that's really cool. I love to feel this way. I loved getting up every day knowing that we had made this commitment to Jesus and he was blessing us and he was blessing our family and we were making friends at our new church. Well, it wasn't new. It took us four years to make the commitment. Guys, don't do that. Way too long. But everything in God's timing. But it was so awesome to be a part of this church and to see, and to know that we have this fellowship with God and with his people and i couldn't wait to get to church we were there every and we were happened to be doing a remodel so we were able to be at the church almost 5 to 7 days a week and be around all these great people and i think that for our family this happened at this time for that reason because it got us into the ministry of going and doing short building trips um, going and building churches or helping other church builders throughout the United States. So we were on this high and loving every second of life. And then slowly Satan started to creep in and pick away at our family in ways that, you know, nobody, no parent wants to imagine, I guess, because he started picking away at our kids and, it would have been very easy to say, you know what, this isn't worth it and give up and just and, and forget really what God had just done for us and forget that he had just brought us to this place in our lives where we have nothing to be sad about. We have nothing but joy and comfort in knowing Jesus Christ as our savior and knowing that our kids are saved. We had nothing to complain about. But Satan knew that there was that one aspect in our life that he could get us, that he could tempt us, and that's our kids. And for a lot of parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about, is when you see your kids hurting, you feel helpless. And at, at some points, you're asking, 
where are you, God? You know, where's this feeling that we had a couple months ago? You know, what, what am I doing wrong? But that's not, that's not the right attitude to have. We need to look, look to Jesus and say, I may be going through this trial, but God is with me through the entire thing. And it took years for this, um, I don't want to call it an attack, but this valley in our lives to come to a hill. So I don't like to be vague, so I'll just say we had some issues with the kid's biological dad, and some of it took a long time to come out through counseling, and long story short, it ended in victory, and it's all because we kept our faith in God, and we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Matt being able to adopt our kids, and that joy again that we felt when we first joined the church, even though the two had nothing to do with each other, but we kept our faith in God, even though it was a, a big struggle sometimes. This is a I think a promise 10 years in the making that Matt was able to adopt the kids and, and legally call them his own. But we stayed faithful no matter how hard it was throughout this entire time. And I think that verse 11, uh, Matthew four eleven, then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That kind of was that pivotal moment on October 27th to 2021 when we were able to uh, walk out of that courthouse and celebrate that it, Matt was able to adopt the kids and their biological dad had no hold over them anymore. And I think that's, it's not, well, it's not the same as Jesus being tempted by being tempted by Satan, I absolutely think that we can grasp on to this story to know that even though every valley might not take 10 years, there's always God at the end. Well, he's with you throughout the whole thing. But I just couldn't go another minute without getting this out. So that's why I'm recording this episode right now I guess I don't know if it's an episode a rant or I just needed to get it off my chest but I just wanted to let you all know that even through the dark times there is a way out in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, let me read that to you really quick because I know we've read it on this show before and I mean it's a verse that you can never get enough of right it says there hath no temptation taken, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have hard times. That just means that God's not going to give you anything that he can't handle. And there's a saying that goes around, that's nowhere found in scripture that says God won't give you anything you can't handle. But that is not true, Christian. Because if you don't lean on God, you might not 
be able to handle what he's given you. And he does that so that you can grow your faith. He gives you these trials in your life so that you will lean on him, so that your relationship with him will grow and blossom, and you'll be excited. You're going to have these hills and valleys, but God is the God in the hills and the valleys. And if you don't know what I mean by that, ups and downs in lives, hard times, good times, God is there in all of those times. And we need to not forget, especially in the good times, that God is there. We need to be praising him in the good times. And when you're down, don't look for worldly fixes because that just leads to addictions. You need to focus on God. You need to focus on how, search the scriptures, find how he's going to get you out of the situation that you're in. And it may be just time and prayer and waiting on God, but I promise you, because he promises us in the scriptures that there is a way out and you can always count on God to be faithful. God is faithful more than we are. And that's what's important. And when you're down and when you don't know what to do, read Psalms. My favorite one that I've read since I was a young kid is Psalm 8. And it's uh, nine verses, but I'm going to read it anyways. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast pull, put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I have always loved that chapter. Maybe because it's short, but really because it's it's true. I mean, the Psalms are full of lifting your spirits verses, I guess. Even though I'm not always full of words, there's always words to find in Psalms. And I really encourage you, read Psalm 8. And as Henry said the, uh, yesterday, Psalm 23, it's an amazing, uplifting chapter. And if you, well, let me just read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's all I have for you guys today. So don't forget. Remember, be sober and be vigilant. Thank you. To the old me.